2: Do you struggle to measure the results of your marketing spend? Or do you need to spend less time running marketing personally? A metrics marketer fractional CMO can help. A fractional CMO delivers measurable results and value by combining real-world experience with a proven marketing framework and process, all at a fraction of the price of a full-time marketing leader. We manage and enhance your existing marketing team while creating programs designed to drive awareness, revenue, and growth for your company. Let us create, manage, and deploy a marketing strategy to help you reach your goals faster. Visit yourfcmo.com, that's yourfcmo.com, to request a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention 3YPC for a special discount of 10% off our services. Grow your business faster with a fractional CMO.
3: Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and of course construction and they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area sitting on over one acre lots. Now they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style totaling just over four and a half thousand square foot, air conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms and they boast 16 foot ceilings in some areas. The second more traditional style home 3100 square foot, air conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean, library a den and outdoor lanai and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in and a garage totaling an additional 1000 square foot you can visit chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com you can email chris tyson that's c tyson as in mike tyson c tyson at greenviewconstruction.com or you can call 561 727 5013 they're also on facebook They're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida.
0: Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561-408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561-408-7835. Water Cleanup of Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two three or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections and if you're correct you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay use the promo code 5 that's F-I-V-E 5 and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today.
2: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
0: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Tiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. Our draft guide continues and now it continues with offensive linemen. Hello, Simon. Hello, Al. Hello, Chris. Hello. All right, Simon, we were talking about this off air. And I guess I'll ask you do you have any idea what next gen stats is?
3: No idea, but I know that ESPN own it, but I have no, no concept whatsoever.
0: Okay, they they do the these rankings for for prospects. Okay, and exactly, and they have one player in particular that has what they consider the best rating in the history of next gen stats. And we were we were speaking uh, a little while ago, me and Chris, about what is that history? Is it two weeks old? Uh, is it twenty years old? Is it ten years old? We don't really know. Who's the player? Tyler Linderbaum. He has a perfect score of 99. And you would think that 100 is perfect, but evidently they've never had a hundred. Tyler Linderbaum is the highest rated player on next gen stats history. They have four offensive linemen rated as elite in this draft. Tyler Linderbaum, Evan Neal, Ike Iquano, and Charles Cross. I yeah. tend to agree with all four. I like all four players. Uh your thoughts first of all on Linderbaum.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's the best center I've graded since Travis Frederick in 2013. Um, He's one of my favorite. He's tough. He's rangy. He's incredibly athletic. The issue is weight. You know, he's had issues keeping weight on. His size is going to concern some teams. He checked in at 6'3", 286. He says he plays in the low 280s, um, you know, but it goes back to that kind of just draft good college players because that's what he is um you know the question is how he'll hold up at the point against bigger stronger defensive tackles but you're getting as close to the full package as there is out there you know he's a pure zone scheme guy so there's a the talk you know <laughs> bullshit today you know oh, all <laughs> linderbaum stock is falling well it's not falling at all his zone scheme is going to absolutely love him but it's falling in the eyes of a power scheme because at six foot three 286 pounds he's not going to pay power mm-hmm. you know i mean he's powerful you know great grip strength he <laughs> was a state state wrestler you know, good play strength. He's a mauler. He understands leverage. He's going to pop under your pants and you know, he'll drive or down block, but that's not his strength. His strength is moving, his strength is getting up on the outside shoulder, reach blocks, you know, pulling, getting down the line, taking out the the edges, taking out linebackers, taking out alley running safeties. You know, that's um, that's what he is. He is a um, he is that kind of guy. He is not a going straight forwards and and mashing people that's not his his game but he's a very very good player
0: yeah uh you know as far as size you know smallish centers have you know they're sprinkled all throughout the history of the of the NFL
3: throughout this draft you know he's, he's 286 you know Dylan Parham is up to 313 but he was 285 you know in season yeah Zach Tom is 303 Donovan West is just 300 pounds Luke Fortner played in the 290s. He is 307 at the combine. You know, Cam Jurgens got up above 303, but played at, in the 280s. Sam Gearack of Northwestern is 295. Alec Lindstrom is 294. Doug Kramer is 301. And he must have had a lot of cake to get to 301. Do you know what I mean? James MP is 303 pounds. Matt Allen, the guy that, that Chris likes, is just 300 pounds. Jack Wallabar is 302 pounds. So, you know, there is a lot of skinny... Undersized centers in this class.
0: Yeah. And Lance Zerline, uh, he never really throws around like the, the crazy comparison when, when he does these player comparisons. Tyler Lindenbaum's comparison is Jason Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's my favorite player in the NFL. So and that's a Hall of Famer. Jason Kelsey's going to going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I think what is he, an eight-time pro bowler already, and he still has time. So that's a hell of a comparison. All right, your thoughts on this uh, next-gen stats thing that we just found out about in the last 30 minutes, Chris?
2: Uh, well, can you guess? Um, well, no, you can guess because uh, because I just told you off air. But, uh, Simon, can you guess where the uh, next-gen stats ranked uh, Jalen Phillips last year? Uh, in terms of like 1 to like, 30 or whatever. Yeah, right, right Yeah. yeah. So, 26th.
3: 28th.
2: Okay, obviously a little bit better than that. Uh, can you guess where they uh, ranked um, uh, uh, Jalen Waddle?
3: Seventeenth, uh, eighteenth. You're really oh. good at this. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's 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 phenomenal. Because because uh, because let me tell you that they uh, ranked both Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore ahead wow. of jalen waddle and significantly ahead of them wow um and both of them had had uh far far less than half of the production than um than jalen waddle did this year um so they did not like our draft picks last year uh that's <laughs> we like our high.
0: draft picks last year we, though. i
2: think i think we like and and of course you know I, I, and and suffice it to say javon holland was not in that top 30 yeah i mean um, right but he should have been right so um so i I, you know i don't know what they're i get listen i i get really i get really uptight when i see um a draft grading system that incorporates you know production scores because basically if i'm not doing it i don't trust it and uh if i'm doing it i don't trust it and so um you know, it's it's really, you know, production scores are, are so difficult to uh, to actually to, to incorporate into it. There's no there's no um, I know there's no substitute for really watching the tape and taking account of all of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so I think that, uh, you know, and I do believe in I do actually believe in um, in really high resolution uh, physical scores you know physical testing but i it's it's about it's about what you see on the field hopefully uh it's about what you see in the catapult data or the and the, the gps data um it's all those things um and so you, you know, i get i don't think i don't think there's anything to it uh however that said you know tyler linderbaum's a f- absolutely phenomenal center prospect to me um so I, i'm not i tend not to get that um worried about his you know his weight uh just knowing what scheme he's likely to play in um so i think that uh i think that he's probably i mean he's so obvious as for what scheme he's going to go to he's probably going to have a good career you know because mm. he's not going to get guys guys that have bad careers or not bad careers but you know uh careers where they don't achieve their their full potential you know it's because teams couldn't really identify uh, which scheme they should go in and, or, or, or there's, there's enough confusion or there's enough, there's enough guys that there's enough teams out there who convince themselves that he can play in your scheme because he's just that good. Um, you know, that that they do end up in, in wrong schemes uh, or schemes that don't really uh, help them fulfill their potential. I think it's rather obvious what, where Tyler Linderbaum is going to go. And so, um, so I think that that's, uh, that's going to help him actually. It's just, it's the, the signaling is there. Um, so he's going to, he's going to be a, a very good prospect. Um, and I, but as for the next gen uh, stats, I can't really say the same about their, uh, their rating system.
0: Now, now you were saying something and I guess I'll get Simon to chime in on this. Um, Austin Jackson spoke to the media uh, this past week and you said he, he was completely full of shit, the way he was talking. Uh, he was extremely... Uh, Chris said he was completely full of shit. I didn't say that. Yeah, no, I'm talking about, about what Chris but said. But you thought it. You thought it.
3: <laughs> I did think it. He was full of shit.
0: <laughs> he was extremely... Uh, the way I put it to Chris Offair was he was very political and eloquent. And whenever you hear very political everything. and eloquent, I hear full of shit. <laughs>
2: I think most of our listeners probably hear, you know, Hey, who do you think of as, as eloquent politicians full of shit? <laughs>
0: you know, Um,
2: you know, that's listen, I, I have nothing against him. He's, he's got a really great background story and we've yeah. talked about it a long, you know, a long time ago. Um, You know, he's, this is a guy that's done what he's done uh, you know, to, to save his sister the way he did. And, you know, this is a, I think in many ways, a genuine person, but when he's talking his own book um, you know, I think that he has come across to me uh, I've, I've found him to be defensive. I've found him to be um, you know uh, I don't know uh, overly um, like you said, political. Uh, I think that uh, I basically my bullshit radar just keeps going off over and over again. And when he got a guy talking about, you know, how he's he's really he's really dedicated to the art of offensive line play. And, you know, he loves, he loves watching all the tape of everybody. And, you know, he, him going to the interior of the line really gave him an appreciation for the fundamentals that, you know, because, because uh, of how different it is and and stuff like that. I am just hearing bullshit, 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 bullshit. because, when you watch the guy play and you have watched the guy play, and we have watched the guy play since uh since going back to USC. This is not a guy that has had an appreciation for the fundamentals of the offensive line and offensive line play. This is a, not a guy who's been dedicated to the artistry of <laughs> offensive line play. Okay, this going back years, and this is not just dolphins where he was an abject failure. I mean we're going back to USC. This is not a guy who looked like he knew what he was doing. Okay, and and if you're if 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 you're kind of a raw guy and and like you relate to it or um, or in his case, you know the the excuse was the excuse was because of what he went through medically, um, you know, and and that sort of and and so the the excuse was that, but he's kind of contradicting that excuse. You know, he's contradicting that excuse by talking up his own book about how, how incredibly dedicated he is to the nuance of the game and, and, you know, has been and and stuff like that. And when you watch him play, you're like, I sure as hell don't see it. You know, I, I sure as hell don't see that in your game. Um, Very athletic, you know, he's very athletic guy. He always has been. Um, But, you know, he's like, he's scissor Edward Scissorhands uh, with his uh, with his hand play and and then he gets all crossed up and it's just like come on dude like and at least at least own it at least own up to it.
0: Uh, Simon, your thoughts on Austin Jackson? Is he going to make it or is it done for him? Because if he doesn't win that right tackle job, he's out of here in an, in an offseason. They're not paying a backup offensive lineman first round money.
3: Yeah, but don't forget, he's not being paid a lot of first-round money. He's still on no. contracts. So, yeah. uh, I think he's a valuable backup who can play three spots. So, I don't think he's gone at all. He's 22, Alf. You know, they, you can't... He's a baby. He, he, yes, there's loads to do. Yes, he will be valuable. It will be valuable him being around Terrell Armstead. Yes, it will be valuable him having a new coach. Yes, the system suits his ability to move and hit on the move. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think they'll get rid of him. I, it just makes no sense to get rid of him. Uh,
0: now, one guy that they did meet with, and Simon, I want you to chime in on this one first, is Zach Tom of Wake Forest. Uh, Lance Zerline basically says, that we want him, we can have him because he has him rated as a day three prospect. Uh, your thoughts on him? Because he played left tackle last year. He's listed as a center.
3: Yeah, I think for- he played all five positions. You know, I think he bags of experience, out of left tackle in there, uh, you know, the Demon Deacons, the Wake Forest player, wide zone, RPO attack, which I think there's a team in the NFL that plays that, and I just can't put my finger on <laughs> who they are. Yep. Um, you know, he's shorter than you'd like in terms of size, arm length, um, which is, I think, a reason why teams might not put him out of left tackle. But you go and look at how he played against Jermaine Johnson, who to me is one of the top 10 players in the draft, the, the FSU corner. Um, and he was really, really good. Um, he's an easy mover. He's got great feet. He's got good hands. Short area explosion. Um, I mean, he played three thousand one hundred and seven snaps, you know, and three penalties in four seasons in three thousand one hundred and seven. Awesome. Snaps. Uh, you know, he is. Uh, he's a technician. He's balanced. He can direct and redirect his hands. He plays with leverage. He'll snatch you good base yeah. he can add some functional play strength uh, he might get overpowered a bit by bigger nose tackles when he kicks back inside but the ability to change direction as well as he does just isn't normal for a guy that's six foot 304 pounds um which is obviously why i think as a wide zone center it just makes a world of sense he's also a real big brain hugely intelligent um has an answer to every question that you pose both from a mental and a physical standpoint um, you know, standout shot putter, a uh, brother, obviously Cameron Tom, who plays for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, bright guy, like I said, both parents are professors at LSU. Um, uh, pound for pound, he's one of my favourite players in the class, actually. He's the sort of guy, and we've talked about this before, but he's the sort of guy that the Green Bay Packers turn into Josh Shitton or Corey Lindsley or TJ Lang or Chad Clifton or you know Darren College or one of those guys, Marshall Newhouse. Do you know what I mean? He's one of those guys that ends up playing 10 years and people are like, wow, how does Zach Tom slip to the 111th pick or the 78th pick or whatever? Do you know what I mean? It's just mm. one of
0: those. Guys. Well, it looks like uh, if they want him, they can have him. If Lance Erlein is correct, uh, do you agree with Lance Irline?
3: Uh, no.
0: I well,
2: Chris, okay, go.
3: yeah, No, I think Chris doesn't agree. I think he might fall into that area, but I suspect it's difficult because like Chris will make a very good point in a minute about the opposite of what I'm going to say sometimes I think when you are that versatile it certainly helps you but it can also hinder you because teams aren't really sure where to play you in the end and you're kind of like oh well maybe we should play him at left tackle but we've got a left tackle here but well maybe he's a centre but we're maybe playing at guard but it's maybe not a strong suit and you know maybe he falls because of that chris will give the argument that actually that that is an absolute plus and you know to to, to all intents and purposes he, he's probably right but i, I, I to me he falls. you know if he goes at 75 i wouldn't be surprised if he went at 115 i wouldn't be surprised so you know and if he's going at 115 you're getting an absolute bargain uh chris obviously you disagree
2: yeah, I just disagree because I think you know we see it we see it with guys like this um, that with their athleticism when they knock it out of the park the way that he did um, you know, they go higher than a lot of people think and and when when a guy ends up being you know essentially everybody's favorite value pick well there's a reason for that because he's not actually going to make it to the value portions of the draft um you know everybody loves him uh and and so i think that just just on that fact alone you know you you look at it and you say okay this is this is the exact kind of guy that pushes up into the second round and surprises a few people but then you know, the people that are surprised are also the people that were salivating over taking him in the third round, you know, like, so I, I, that's, that's, that's the situation that I see with Zach Tom, but uh, let me just, let me, well, first off looking at him tape, I do see a little bit of Sadiq Charles in him, um, you know, on, on tape and looking at him play. And, and I think that that's, I'm, that's not, so I think Sadiq Charles is going to be a good NFL player, but, um, but looking at him, let's the other player that I see, it's, it's really it's really odd, but you know when I watch him play, the other player that I see is Teron Armstead. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> who the Dolphins, who the Dolphins already have. Now, now, hear me out on this one. Uh, we talk about you know is, is he is he too short? Is he too short? Does he have the build for it? Uh, Teron Armstead was six oh four six and three hundred and six pounds when he came out. Okay, Zach Tom is six oh four two and three hundred and seven pounds, so he's only a half an inch shorter. He's half an inch shorter than Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead, like you think, okay, but but he's got the, uh, he's got the, you know, the, um, the wingspan, you know, the frame and and such a, well, well, you know, Teron Armstead's wingspan was 81 and a half inches and uh, and Zach Tom's wingspan is 80 and a half inches. I mean, we're talking one inch of difference. That's not a lot. Um, You know, we're talking about 10 and a half inch hands, 10 and a half inch hands was as big actually for an offensive lineman, Uh, you know, Teron Armstead only, was about 9 in chance but um if you look at the uh there's obviously the bi- the big discrepancy that you're going to see is that Tyrone Armstead still has the record i believe for uh, fastest 40 time among uh amongst tackles i think you know he he ran a 471 electronic 465 Handheld. Uh, Zach Tom was 494, 495, somewhere around there. But at the same time, you look at, you know, vertical, the vertical, we're talking 33 inch, 34 inch, um, one of the other, one versus the other. We're talking, you know, a a bigger broad jump, nine foot 10 versus Teron Armstead's nine foot four, you know, better shuttle time than Teron Armstead by a long shot, uh, better dr- cone drill than uh, Teron tar- Armstead by a long shot. And we're talking about a guy who's almost as uh, the same frame as, uh, as um, Teron Armstead, arguably all around more athletic. And then, oh, by the way, when you go and watch his tape and you go and grade him out uh, against these pass rushers, it wasn't just Jermaine Johnson that he did really well against. He was an elite level pass protector um and so i i look at the the overall picture and i say okay why is that going tell, tell me again why that's going to like you know like 102 and and the point that simon made it you know i get i get the um you've moved around so many positions so many people are gonna someone's gonna see one thing another person's gonna see another and another person's gonna see another and none of them are going to see elite at their respective you know where they've got you pegged but i just tend to Differ on that because I I think that when you're listening to enough NFL coaches speak about how much they value versatility in in their offensive linemen, how much Mm -hmm. they value it, Um, it's I I don't think we should turn a plus into a minus. Like personally, Um, that that's or at least that's my uh, my my gut instinct when I'm when I'm looking at the the fact that he is versatile, can play all five positions. Uh, I don't want to turn a plus into a minus. I want it to keep a plus into a plus because that it is a plus to me. Uh, so uh, this is, this is the kind of guy that goes in round two. He might, he might not have, because he doesn't have the ideal frame, you know, and, and he, it might be pretty close to Toronto Armstead, but even Toronto Armstead, and we have to admit coming out, did not have the ideal frame. Um, and I think that that's, you know, he was, he was graded as a essentially a, a round two prospect himself, teron Armstead was we should keep in mind um you know because of that i don't think he's he's going any higher than round two zach thomas but um but i i do think that if the dolphins wanted to get him then this is a guy that they've got to package up probably picks 102 and 125 together plus the third rounder that they just got from Devontae parker uh Mm. to get into the bottom of the second round and then get him and then and then say you know hey this is a guy that's intelligent that is uh, that is uber athletic that is, um, that has a pretty good, not necessarily great frame. uh, And that, um, and that is an elite level pass protector. uh, And also by the way, perfect scheme fit and, and he can play multiple positions and, um, and, you know, all of these are big pluses and, you know, the dolphins might say, Hey, we're just going to take Zach Tom. And that's all we're going to walk away from with really from the entire weekend. That's worth talking about.
0: Um and so if they do that, if they do that, he has to be the right tackle, right? Um, no, not necessarily Uh, because you play him at center. He
2: could play. He could play at center. I mean, he it is it is such an important position. It's an important enough position from a um from a intellectual, I guess, an intangible intangible standpoint. Um, that it wouldn't surprise me if they do steer toward Michael Dieter as the center, um, because he's got he's got you know um. He's got more skins up. Uh, I, I think that um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did have him play center in place of Michael Dieter because I think that he's, you know, kind of a borderline elite-level uh, uh, center prospect. You can certainly argue from, from an athletic standpoint. Um, but the need might be might take them to right tackle first. Um, and so, or, or right guard really first, uh, where, whereas, um, you got Robert Hunt, uh, can sw- switch over to right tackle, at least temporarily. So, uh, just to get the, just to get the experience under his belt because they prize the intangibles and the intellect so much at that center position. Wouldn't surprise me if, um, if Dieter's going ahead and playing there first, uh, or at first year, but, um, it could, it could work at, it could work at three spots. Being, you know, particularly honest, and I think that they'll view that like as a
0: positive. All right, Simon. Before I have I have you handicap one hundred two and one twenty five as far as offensive linemen go. Uh, Lance Zerline is not a fan of a guy that I know you are a fan of, Abraham Lucas. I don't know em- enough about him. He played at Washington State. Uh, defend your man because he completely eviscerates him on his latest. Uh, I guess what you could call his draft guide, because he does have notes on Abraham Lucas, but he has him as a day three guy. You said there's no way on earth he makes it out of the second round. Defend your man.
3: I mean, does defend like just turn the tape on? I mean, you listen to Mike Garofalo today. You know, he's going, he's got 12 visits, six private workouts, uh, and Garofalo says he's hearing that he's, he's getting into the back end of round one. I mean, wow. he's a day one NFL ready right tackle. Um, he, he's a four-year starter. Um, he's one of the safest picks in the draft. I mean, he produces and absorbs force as well as anybody in the draft. When he's got his hands on you, it is all over. He is all business. Somebody I trust, somebody whose opinion I trust hugely, Rob Stanton, who's a Seahawks one of us, really. He and and, and is much into the draft, probably more so than all three of us put together. Uh, I mean, he and I were chatting about Lucas the other day and he said, and I quote, has there been a better right tackle blocking in space since Tyron Smith? And, you know, Tyron Smith is a hell of a player. You know, he yeah. is an absolute pound-the-table guy. He didn't allow a sack or a pressure in 2021. He's rangy. He's bendy. He, like Watch him against Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, he handles speed on an island. You know, you go back and watch him 2019. He was dominating. You watch him in 2020. He was dominating. You watch him in 2021. Like I just said, he didn't get a sack. You watched him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's a monster. You know, Terence Metcalf called him an absolute monster. Stood next to him. I, I mean, I stood above him in the bleachers and he was, you know, standing next to Daniel Falele and they look like brothers, you know, he is such a big human being. Um, and people say, Oh, well, you know, he played in Mike Leach's air raid and therefore, you know, wide splits, great distance for defenders to get to the quarterback. Well, you know, when Leach left Nick Rolovich, they used tighter splits and he still dominated, you know, Drake Jackson and he dominated on Thibodeau and, you know, these guys that are going to go high in the draft, uh, you know, oh, he can't run block. Really? Really? I mean, you're not watching <laughs> the tape if you don't think he can run block. You know, he's physical. He's nasty. He collapses down the line. He gets his pads low. He can lock. He can turn. His legs move. He drives defenders out of lanes. He gets movement off the line. He grips and talks. Uh, he's balanced. He can pull. He's easy mover. You know, he's just a fucking good player. He was right. 260 when he got to Pullman. He gained 21 pounds in the first two weeks. Um, this is a he ran a 430 short spot. He ran a 430 short shuttle at Spark. I mean, he's six foot seven, 322 pounds. He was a 430 short shuttle, you know. Uh, I thought he was absolutely superb at the, at the senior bowl. Uh, All right,
0: before I have you, handicap 102 and 125 as far as the offensive line goes. Your thoughts on one prospect that I really do like, and I think, uh, well, he's played everywhere on the offensive line, but you know, he's a convert. He's going to, he's not going to play tackle in the pros. He's going to play guard. Uh, Zach Thomas, great name, by the way, actually spells that exactly like the real Zach Thomas, the future hall of famer Zach Thomas spells it out of San Diego state. Your thoughts of him as a fit. Cause he's as far as a fit. If I had to find a guy besides the obvious ones, you know, like later on in the draft, like, that guy's tailor-made the play for Mike McDaniel. Zach Thomas, your thoughts on him?
3: Um, I don't love him, I've got to say. Um, I mean, he's just 300 pounds, big hands, um, strong. Um, I think he's definitely a guard. Um, he's a good move blocker, I think. I think he uh, he needs to add some functional strength. I think he's a kind of late round free agent type um he's got good feet i think i like the way here that he brings his hips through contact um which he does well on the move but i don't think he's explosive i don't think he's got great hands i don't think he can reset his hands particularly well i think there are times when i watch him on tape and he gets a bit too far out over his skis and he's bending at the waist which makes him um makes him unbalanced and gets him out of position so i'm not a um i'm not a fan i mean i don't have a draftable grade on him i've got to say so okay sorry dude. what about
2: i i want to ask you actually about um you know just because okay we're talking about 102 125 this is we're beyond even the top 100 in the draft right i mean mm-hmm. the really good players are gone yep i mean they're they're gone that's that's the way it is um someone we don't like and we talked about him before. Oh, you know, I like, know what you're going to say, Nicholas Petitfrere. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly it. What if, what if he is? What if he's sitting there at 102, 125 in that area? I mean, clearly the guys that we're likely to like are going to be gone. I mean, um, he is Austin Jackson 2.0, right? Right. I mean, that's 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 what I that's what I see as well. But uh, you know, Austin Jackson was a, a first round pick for us. We're talking 102 or 125.
3: Sure. I mean, so what you're getting is a six foot five, 308 ball of athletically gifted and versatile, um, you know, kid who played at Ohio State. So he played at a good level. He is phenomenally inconsistent. I mean, you watch his final collegiate performance against Michigan. It was a a disaster. Uh, And of course, I don't think any player should obviously be judged by one game alone, but you know, he got abused by Aidan Hutchinson. He got abused by David and He was making Michigan backup Taylor Upshaw look like a first-rounder. Uh, he was whiffing with his punches. He was falling forward. He was bending at the waist. He was completely out of the rep. The Penn State game, the exact same thing. You know, he struggles with quick movement skills. He struggles with twitch. Jarbo and um, Arnold... Uh, 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 I can't even pronounce his second name. Um, Ekabute completely gave him fits. Uh, he is... Unable to position himself quickly enough to seal off the edge. I think he is, you know, he can look gifted in pass pro with quicks and good feet and lateral movement and a good base and decent hands, but you just don't see it. It's like Rasheed Walker at Penn State. He's just so inconsistent. Um, And I'm I'm just tired of drafting inconsistent players like this. I'd rather just, you know, yeah, he could turn into something, but I I don't think he will. Um, I think he is... Uh, you know, I, I think he'll get abused both sides. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't. To me, he's not a, a very good player.
2: Do you All think right. uh Cal and Deitch could fall? Yeah, to, definitely, to our range?
3: definitely do. Definitely do. I like, I, I like Deitch a lot. Actually. I think he's, he's one of those guys. I think that, um, I don't know what you guys think, but I always think that like the West coast guys, especially sort of linemen and things like that kind of get less publicity because people are generally asleep on the East coast. When mm-hmm. the, the you know Arizona States and UCLA's and
0: yeah all those uh, games start at 10:30 right? at night, so you tend yeah, to I never mean, watch them play.
3: I mean, I sometimes get up early on a Sunday morning, and there's still Pac-12 games that are still playing, at like you know 3 a.m. US time or whatever, or 2 a.m. US time on the on the East Coast, and like 7 a.m. in the UK. I like him. I think you know he's Texas A&M guy um, who transferred over. I think he's, uh, and I know this because I've spoken to two west coast area scouts who both say he's the best left tackle at or the best offensive lineman prospect at arizona state since levi jones 20 years ago I, I thought he should have gone to the senior bowl actually but i think he's athletic he plays well in his own scheme i think he can move laterally really well he um 11 pressures during his career according to pff um his arm length i you know 32 inches he reminds me of like a poor man's eric fisher Actually, or not even that poor mm. I mean, um Zarek Fisher. Um, but yeah, I like him a lot. There's another guy, I don't know if you've either of you've seen him, Abina Eze of TCU. Mm. Um is a guy I think is really interesting. Um the other guy who's ridiculously talented, but I just don't think he's ever gonna put it together because mentally I think he's it's a struggle, is Dare Rosenthal, the Kentucky kid who was at LSU, he's a five star mm. kid. He was the number one defensive tackle in uh, Louisiana, committed to Auburn, um, then was suspended by LSU due to uh, violating team rules and had previously and subsequently violated team rules and then was kicked off the team. Ended up at Kentucky, played really well, but he's, I mean, he is a really, really good player. I mean, this is a proper this is a proper left tackle. I mean, he's straight up and down physically, 6'7", 296. Um, yeah, people talk about Tyler Smith, the, the kid at Tulsa. I mean, uh, as being a first rounder. Rosenthal is a significantly better player, um, mm. but it's just whether or not he can put it together mentally. But I, I think there's some I think there's some interesting guys, you know, even day late day two, early day three guys. You look at like Braxton Jones at Southern Utah, the kid Spencer Burford, who played at the Senior Bowl, the, the UTSA kid. I thought he was, he's a nice player. Some people like Max Mitchell, the Louisiana kid. Um, you know, obviously Rashid Walker, who was at Penn State. There's a kid at Illinois, Vardarian Lowe, fifty plus starts at left tackle, could play right tackle. He's got some draftable traits. Um Myron Cunningham at Arkansas, who played left tackle, who's uh he's long and um, physical and um yeah, I mean there's some um, there's some interesting talent out there. Uh no shot,
0: Cole Strange makes it to one oh two.
3: Thing is where are you gonna play him. I mean he's a center. left guard. Right. Uh, are uh, you
0: Yeah I, I play I, him over I play him over Dieter. I, I think he, he can play
3: he doesn't play center, that's the thing. Like but he's played it before.
0: He's played it before, you're, and you're, in interviews, he's in interviews. He's said that he's willing to do it, and he's practiced at it.
3: Sure, he's practiced at it. But he's, you know, you're you're taking a small school guy from UT Chattanooga, um, and you're saying go and play a position. Go and play like two levels higher than you're supposed to in playing. Oh, and go and play a new position. Yeah, I saw him snap the ball at the at, at the senior bowl, and he he was, you know. He can do it, and he's got a little bit of experience there. But you know, this is a guy who started for the last two years at left guard. You know, he's a he's he's Quinn Minuts. You know, he played really well at the senior bowl. He's just kind of an old school guy. He's a you know, he's quick. He's got quick hands. He's nasty. Uh, you know, but I, I I just don't think you can expect a guy that was at UT Chattanooga, hasn't played center for two years, to suddenly go and be a day one start in the NFL because he's a left no. guard, and especially not in this. System
2: to me, right. to exactly. me, and not in this system because they they value they value so much the their veteran um wherewithal, I guess. Um, he's a
3: scrapper as well, not a mover. Mm-hmm. Like, he can move, but he's not, do you know what I mean? He's that mm-hmm. um, he's agile, he can pull, uh, you know, he can turn his hips and wall off defenders. But you know, I think power teams are going to see him, or at least a kind of a mix of the two, rather than just be a pure. Outside, so it's a lot to ask a cent a guard from a small school to move to a wide zone blocking scheme center and take over the responsibilities that you're going to have to pull off. I mean, we talk about West Coast Donovan, um, the the kid at Arizona State who plays alongside Kellen Deech, Donovan West at Arizona State. Hmm. He's an interesting guy. He's a scheme fit. You know, he started for three years on that offensive line. Um, you know, he's a good player. He's a really good mover, wrestler, grip strength, lower body strength, understands leverage, just the way you, like, used to move people around on the mat. He's got speed of feet on the, you know, reach blocks, can mirror him, pass protection. You know, I think there's some really good pure centers, you know, after lindebarn but you've got Dylan Parham at, at Missouri. You've got Zach Tommy, we've talked about. You've got West, you've got Luke Fortner in Kentucky. Cam Juergens at Nebraska, who's got to be in that kind of area. Sam Gearack at Northwestern, you know. I'm not a fan of Alec Lindstrom necessarily, but obviously, you know our new offensive line coach is the was his position coach at Boston College. You know his brother Chris mm. Lindstrom was a first round pick of the Falcons. You know he was a finalist in the Remington Trophy. He, you know, this is a you know if any team is gonna, yeah, we have got the inside scoop on whether or not Alec Lindstrom can play. You know Doug Kramer, at Illinois four year star, is a guy who can, you know. Gonna find a home in a zone heavy scheme on day three. So Nick Ford at Utah. There's there's a lot of centers out there. I just don't think you can take a kid and move him to center, given that he played at UT Chattanooga.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, you got to get together with Lance Zerline and have like a coffee or something because you guys, I think, will come out. I think you guys have a fist fight because he absolutely loves Cole Strange.
3: Oh, no, I, could, don't, don't get me wrong. I think he's a really good player. He actually his comparison
0: off. is J.C. Tredder.
3: Yeah, I don't. I mean. <laughs> So like,
0: <laughs> yeah he, he, he does give great interview i don't know if you've seen cole yeah, strange and, online uh like he's a talker
3: yeah and he gave interviews at the senior bowl in terms of team interviews were extremely good apparently um mm. I, i've got nothing against him as a player i think he's a tremendous left guard i just don't think he's a center
0: all right And I guess we'll leave it there. And the next time you listen to us, we'll be talking about the defensive side of the ball. But till then.
2: Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
1: When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly.